Hello. Howdy. How, how, how's, how's it going, John? Man, it's going pretty good. I, I, I guess I could bring this up, like, now, like, even though we were just talking about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great news, listeners. Um, since we're, since we're doing, our current schedule's like, we record an episode right before posting it, unlike earlier where we, we, we had a stockpile of episodes. Uh, it's hectic. Yeah. Um, if you, if you go on Spotify right now and you look up a Homestuck podcast, we're now available there. Wow. You can listen on your phone a lot easier if you don't like the SoundCloud app. Yeah. I'm, I'm, da- can download us, put us on your phones. We'll be in there. We'll be with you always. I I I'm currently I'm I, well I'm not currently I'm planning on looking into getting us on um uh iTunes, but I don't know how that's gonna go. Cause I know Apple's way more strict with with their content. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they'll they'll give us lashings for having an Eminem song in the outro, but <laughs> they probably would. But yeah, we're we're mainstream now. We're 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 celebrities. We're on the Spotify. We're a lot more easily listenable. Yeah, I I, I know I know. <laughs> uh, my cousin, she's really into podcasts, and she want she wanted to listen to the podcast, but she really hates Spotify. And so, SoundCloud, you mean? Or uh oh yeah, she hates SoundCloud. Stupid stupid s streaming platforms. Um. So that was like one of the driving factors is because I really wanted her to listen to the podcast because I wanted to get back into Homestuck, mm-hmm. but she didn't like SoundCloud at all. She's all about Spotify. I think a lot of people are in that position. Um, I know that whenever, like, whenever I would mention it, like around my family, one, it's horribly embarrassing, but um, <laughs> two, I would get the comment a lot, like, "Oh, it's SoundCloud? Like, I don't use that." Like, not. I don't think a lot of people really use SoundCloud to regularly listen to music. Yeah. Or podcasts, so I don't know. I'm I'm pretty. Uh, I think that's pretty cool that we are now on a much more accessible platform that a lot more people use regularly. Yeah, listeners, tell your friends. Make your friends listen to us. Yeah, do that. Be obnoxious. Make them hate you. Yes. <laughs> um. So yeah. So that's so. There's our there's our good news for the day. Um. Have have anything else you want to bring up during our allotted uh. Five minutes of babble before we start talking about the reading. Um, I don't know. I don't. I I I I, I kind of did the like Spotify upload like last minute, and I was mm-hmm. originally planning on like talking about the video gaming I've been up to, but I don't know if it's like worth it because I don't know. I feel like I take a long time to explain it. I might have to save that for like next week because I'll still be working on, <laughs> working on. Yeah. Okay. Fair. I'm. I I only ask because I had I have nothing. Um, I've had a very boring week. Um, yeah, I enjoyed potentially my last quesarito because I just remembered that the Taco Bell, the new Taco Bell patch notes go into effect today. They go into effect today? I think so. Oh God, I, no. If you go into your local Taco Bell, there's a good, they'll probably still just make the things for you, but I don't know if it's going to be on the menu online anymore. Yeah, man, I Um, I need to go get me a. A, a Fritos burrito before they Taco Bell, take it if away. If you're listening, put the quesarito back on the menu and the potato grillers. Yeah, no reason to get rid of those. Just don't change the menu. It's not worth. Did you see that they're like they're like testing uh, chicken wings now? What? Yeah, I, I saw a video There's on like Twitter. Ten places I can go if I want to get chicken wings that are not Taco Bell. Yeah, I, I saw a video on Twitter and uh, 
it, it was on the menu. Like, it was right there on the drive-thru menu. It was, like, chicken wings. And they looked, mm. they looked okay. I'm not a big chicken wing person, but they looked pretty alright for drive-thru wings. I'm not a giant fan of chicken wings, but, like, especially living in the city, like, it's so easy to get decent chicken wings that I would just not trust Yeah. Uh, Taco Bell's expertise in an area they're not known for. I don't know. Whatever. Kind of reminds me of, like, getting, like, a Burger King hot dog. Don't do that. <laughs> Burger King got the glizzies? What? They do. <laughs> they do. Uh, the... I worked at Burger King the summer before I went to college, and one of the top three, I think, grossest things to do in the store when you were, like, like one of the top three grossest things to make was, like, taking the the chili that had been, like, sitting in the warmer thing for, like, two hours and just glopping it onto a hot dog. Ah! And just being like, man, someone's gonna eat this. Someone thinks that this is the best decision they could make at that point in time. Who, who who goes to Burger King and like doesn't get a burger? I don't get that. It's called Burger King. A lot Come of on. people. Come on. It, a lot of people. It's called Burger King. I I go there. The one thing I order is the uh the Bacon King, and then I leave. That's all I get. The That's one, all I've ever had. Uh, the one thing that they had that I thought was pretty good was the one they were like I forget what it was on. But they had the the one Whopper that was on like a pretzel bun. Okay. Um. And pretzel buns are just, like, good, so it yeah. kind of made it vaguely resemble food in a way that not a lot of Burger King menu items do. But other than that, it's a... I would put it in probably my C tier of of fast food locations. That's respectable. Where would you put uh, Arby's? Random question. I haven't had Arby's in a really long time. Ar- Arby's is, um, like, my favorite fast food restaurant, and it gets so much hate, and it makes me feel bad because I really like eating there. Uh, I think that, like, just the roast beef sandwiches, they're just, like, the, just the, like, basically, like, the deli meat, uh, but warm on a bun are better than they have any right to be. Yeah. Um, and the curly fries are good. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the Arby sauce is the pretty, pretty good, uh, pretty good. Shout out, shout so out Arby's. Shout out Arby's. Sponsor us. I would. I'll say I don't think I will ever get too adventurous on the Arby's menu, but I think that like their staples are okay. Yeah. And I think that the they're underrated. That's respectable. Um so anyway, do you wanna uh get into the reading? I, 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 <laughs> I think we could get into it now. Okay. Um I I feel like this reading was a bit of a turning point, uh, in the comic, because this was the first time that I felt that like it it, I mean, we've been getting here, but I feel like this was the first reading that was just transparently, like, just all about, like, uh, character feelings and drama. Yes. Uh, uh, there, there's a monolith of a reason why that's, like, right in the middle of the reading that I we, mean, yeah, we, we will get like, to, but, but yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, like, it, just the interactions, like, it takes a very uh, transparent, um, not not really a sharp turn, considering how much we've been talking about uh, Riska's feelings and stuff, but, yeah. like... It's very transparent here. Yeah, it, um, it's it's really interesting to me because, like, I've seen a lot of takes in the fandom over the years, and I, I've seen a lot of people who are like, uh, I liked Homestuck better when it was about the action and not about the feelings. And most of the time they're talking about the transition from Act 5 to Act 6, because Act 6 is very feeling-centric. But, yeah. but we, do, we do really start getting, like, a lot of focus on character emotions, like, way before then. Yeah, and I would argue that, like, there's been 
a pretty e- even through Act Four, there was a pretty equal balance of character feelings and uh, yeah, and this stuff. Um, at least in the way that we chose to talk about it, but the action was not. I don't think the action was ever like the super hype centerpiece of it. Yeah. Besides a couple, besides the end of Act Four, Flash was pretty tight. Uh, but yeah. Um. So I guess going into going into it, uh, we we open up where we left off, obviously, which was uh, Kanaya's introduction. Uh, fan favorite, Kanaya Mariam. Yes. What do you think about Kanaya? I I don't remember where you put her on your tier list. I think she's neat. <laughs> I, I don't remember I where I put her either. I just think she's neat. I think I put her in the S tier. She's one of my favorites. Um, she's a very she's a very likable character. Yes. Um, and the other thing that struck me um about this reading is that that kind of like snuck up on me was that like up to this point in the com- correct me if I'm wrong, so I could be forgetting something. But I think up to this point in the comic, like. The only references that it's really made to like same-sex attraction and like being gay have been like jokes, or like uh, Dave being like ew or like joking about it. Yeah. Um. But this is like like Kanai is just kind of introduced like very at face value as basically just being gay. Yeah. Um. I I, I it's th- not explicit. Yeah. But <laughs> that brings up a point that I I was wondering when we were gonna get to. And it it's Hussey's controversial take on like troll sexuality, and it I know it got made like a lot of people angry back in the day, and there are still some people who are like pretty angry over what he said now. But like, uh, Hussey flat out said that like all trolls are pansexual, which is like fine. Mm-hmm. That that yeah. like that's understandable when you like look into like their society and whatnot. But he said that. Um, people who experience, uh, same-sex attraction, like, Kanaya, or, like, uh, straight attraction, uh, he said it's, like, in troll society, it's more like a fetish Hmm. than, like, what would be deemed a, a, a sexuality, and I still don't know how to feel about that. It's pretty weird, Jay, but, like... That's a, that is a weird... Uh, I don't know how to unpack that. I don't either. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure, like, a lot of people just actively decide to, like, ignore him ever saying that. Well, when, when did he say that? Um, um is another question, because there have been many eras of Hussey. Uh, I, I want to say he said it, like, around, like, 2011. I think, I think it was a Formspring question. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a weird... I I can respect anybody who chooses to just kind of ignore that, especially because like troll society is troll society at large is never really a thing. Yeah. Um, in the comic, and I I could be wrong, uh, but it 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 I don't remember anything jumping out where the where different trolls got made fun of for for it. Yeah. Um, or where like if it just happened in the comic, I don't well I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but that's a that's a really strange take on it. Um, generally, I don't really want to give Hussey too much shit for his world building decisions because Troll Society is meant to be this weird, uh, fucked up like evil place. But yeah. that's just a really weird decision. Yeah. Yeah. Hussey, reach out um, to us. <laughs> how is this still true? I uh, I, don't, I feel like it just says a lot of shit. 
like about minor details that don't matter that just kind of fall out. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's hard to decipher like, especially like some of his answers back in the day, like what were like genuine answers and like what were like jokes. I mean, yeah, the the form spring also spawned like fat Vriska and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So who knows? But uh, yeah. So I, I guess p- moving back to Kanai's introduction, um, a couple details it gives us. Uh, she's one of the only trolls who primarily prefers to be out in the daytime instead of the nighttime. Um, as a result of this, she is really into landscaping um, and sculpting her trees into the shapes of the clouds that she's in her dreams. Hint, hint. Um, she's really into uh, vampire fiction, which I forgot. I didn't... Which, which I had, like, pretty much forgot that, like, trolls have like, vampire romance novels, yeah. and that that's what Kanai is into. It's really funny. It's really fu- It is really funny. Um, also, a little... It, it dates the comic a little bit, because, like, that's, like, probably a, a relic of Twilight being, like, a phenomenon around this time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> very, very timely. I think part of the reason that I forgot about that was because that detail of culture in my head was just... It just dropped out of my... Bro, I'd forgotten about it. Bro, how could you forget Twilight Mania? Come on, <laughs> don't you don't you actively enjoy the the funny baseball movie? Come on. <laughs> I can't tell how ironic you're being at me, and it scares me. Okay, I read the books. Okay, I when I was in middle school, I read the Twilight books. I thought they were mediocre at best, but the first Twilight movie is like really good. <laughs> I can't explain it. It's just really good. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. Okay. I don't. I don't have to dig any deeper on that. No. 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 You have to. You. You, <laughs> you have to watch the first Twilight movie and reminisce of better times. Listeners, go to YouTube right now. Look up Twilight baseball scene. It's the best scene in like any movie ever. The baseball scene is really funny. <laughs> Anyway, uh, but I can't, I can't attest to any of the rest of the movie. <laughs> um. Anyway. Um. What What else about Kanaya? Um. She's one of the one of the very few trolls who prefers aesthetic design over utilitarian. Yeah. Um. So she's like into fashion. Uh. She's into like de- inter- in- interior decorating. Uh. She she's like a, she's a seamstress. Like she she she's creative. Uh. Which is uncharacteristic for trolls who have, we've seen generally have a very limited uh idea of fashion yeah um which i i i thought maybe if like for the first like gay character that's a little bit on the nose but what but whatever um whatever hussy sure um <laughs> and and it seals off uh kind of like poking like yeah so kanaya is a she's a, she's a prospect dreamer um and she's been she's dreaming already. Uh, that's her. Um, the the first thing that like you notice visually is that like I I, I regret that we are that like already made the Jade comparison already like twice to different trolls. But Kanaya literally just lives in Jade's house. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I she lives in Jade's house. She's the she's the already dreaming prospect dreamer. Like okay. I I don't think it's a bad thing to make. Uh comparisons to the humans 
with multiple trolls because I do think that like Hussey just took like multiple aspects from like the same kid and then like spread them across like multiple trolls. Yeah. The, it's going from four characters to 12, so. Yeah. Things gotta get spread out. Um, there's the little, uh, there's the, there's a lipstick chainsaw joke, which is an item borrowed from Problem Sleuth. And this is uh, your weekly reminder to read Problem Sleuth. But one day I will read Problem Sleuth and I will understand all of these references. Okay, one well, day. It's, it's there. Um, let's see. Uh, so Kanaya kind of wanders, uh, the other Jade thing, she has a wardrobe of fire. Um, so her outfits are always swapping. Uh, and she gener- I, her, I like her outfits. They're, they're pretty cool. I, I, I appreciate that we finally have a character who's not wearing a t-shirt and <laughs> pants or shorts. Um, but yeah, Kanaya, uh, it has her first, um, first post log with Fairy, uh, a yet unintroduced character, Cuttlefish Color. Um, and much like Fairy in general, I don't know if I have a lot to say about it. Man. <laughs> I, I... The thing about Fafari is, I've seen a lot of posts that, like, make the same joke before, and it's that Fafari shows up, does nothing, says three slurs, and then leaves. And, like, that's her entire character. And, man, I... when she when she came out of the... She, she came out punched <laughs> with the R-slur. It just... It sneaks up on you. She just dropped an R-word pretty fast. Um... I... I... I think that there's the one, the one detail about Fafari that I, that I like in her, that we're gonna see in her introduction, uh, in, in, in a bit is like the whole wanting to usurp royalty thing. So like, I don't think Fafari is completely one dimensional. Yeah. Or at least if she is, she has, there's an interesting component of that. But like, yeah, she's not really that. I don't think she's particularly interesting to read. At least here. The, I think she has potential. And that potential is just never going to be accessed ever. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I'll hold. We, we can hold off for. Uh, I'm gonna hold off for like. Yeah, we get, 45 minutes until we get to the introduction. Yeah, page we can wait. Of her. Um, because we're finishing the introduction pages. Uh, here T- today, finally, it's happening. We're gonna be done with introductions, and we're almost done with Hive Ben. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Fairy here is really excited to go into the game. Um. And kind of comes to Kanaya being like, let's let's talk about it. Let's compare notes. Uh, let's go. Like, really excited for it. Um, Kanaya kind of points out that, you know, we're not really in the game yet. So, like, what do you want to talk about? Um, there's a there, there's a bit of a tangent into troll romance. Um, because Fairy exists to be a living example of how troll romance works. Uh, as does Kanaya at this point. Yeah. Um... They make mention of uh, Fafari's, uh, Moirail? Moirail? I don't, I don't know. I say Moirail. Uh, Moirail? Okay, we can say Moirail. It's easier to say. Um, and, uh, a mysterious figure, a mysterious, uh, figure that who Kanaya wishes, uh, she wasn't her Moirail. Um, and that's kind of all we, kind of all we get here. Yeah. Um, that's, that's hinting at Kanaya's crush on Briska, which is not really particularly subtle. Up here in, in in these reading in this reading, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, like I, everyone remembers Kanaya because of well, everyone remember like the 
the, the target of Kanaya's affections that in everyone remembers is Rose, typically. Um, I had pretty much forgotten that Kanaya has a thing for Vriska when she shows up. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, Kanaya, Kanaya is, yeah. I don't know what I'm saying. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, we cl- closing that conversation, um, there's another mention of, the, of clouds as well, if you didn't, if you didn't get it. Um, it, it, so, after logging off, Kanaya, uh, decides it's probably good to check on her Lucis. Um, and lo and behold, like she expected, uh, her Lucis is dead. Um, I don't know if we, I don't know if I mentioned this when we were talking about the introduction page, but one of the things that's notable about Kanaya is that, uh, her Lucis is a virgin mother grub, uh, one of the key figures in troll reproduction. Um, and her status as a jade blood, uh, it has some connection to her being chosen by this specific Lucis, because trolls being chosen by, uh, Mother Grubs is incredibly rare. Yeah. Um, so Kanaya goes down to her dead Lucis, um, guts her open with a chainsaw, and pulls out this funny little ball with a bunch of troll horns sticking out of it, uh, called the Matriorb. So this, this, this has some, uh, hinted at, uh, vital importance to, uh, troll reproduction. Um, we're not going to get any of it yet, though, because that's important. That's too important for right now. Um, I, I, I uh, it's also shown that Kanai has a, her modus is a is a chastity modus, um, which I feel like uh, Kanai's like maternal theming is really clear and like consistent and generally pretty good. The yeah. whole like chastity thing is a, is like a little bit of a weird detail to me. Yeah. It, it, it's it's kind of pushing this like, well I don't know if I should talk about it now because it'll definitely come up later, but it's kind of it's kind of pushing like a Virgin Mary theming going yeah, on. Yeah, I mean her. Yeah, I mean her last name is Miriam. Yeah. So. But we we don't really get to see like what, what the deal is with that for like a while. Right. Right. But um, uh, I I think it's interesting that the chastity modus is like a literal modus for like put a pin in that. Yes, it's it, it's great that it's described as it'll you'll be able to get it when when you need it and not a moment before. I I I I like that as a plot device. It's very convenient. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a page where uh, Kanaya sees her hands splattered with her Lucis's blood, um, and starts uh kind of waxing poetic about vampires, um, and. Uh, has a taste of it and goes blah. Uh, this is a this is a pretty clear callback to um when when Rose uh tasted her mom's tequila, um and it's one of those moments where there's some dumb joke that makes me wonder it ha- like ex- exactly how much of this hussy had planned out in his head when he wrote it, because both both of these uh are kind of gone back on in pretty significant ways that have a lot to do with each other. Yeah. <clears throat> um, <laughs> yeah. There's no telling how much Hussey actually planned, and how much he was just just kind of going with it. 
international man of mystery. I mean, if he was going, just kind of playing it by ear, he did a pretty good job of incorporating this stupid joke into these characters' arcs. Yeah. Um. So, Kanaya then has a conversation with Riska that we read already, the one about uh, where she asked if her Luce was dead yet, and Riska's pretty upset. Um, and the, the narrator uh, describes it as being in more more of our allegiance with one another and how how weird it is. Um trauma sure is confusing. Um and then uh Kanaya receives a text that are a pester is pestered <laughs> by our favorite Aridan. Um and man, uh he makes a strong first impression. The, um. the okay the the fact that 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 he the the very first thing he reaches out to do is to get Kanaya to to make Vriska talk to him is it brought back like a bunch of Skype memories for me of like friends being mad at one another and then like one of them reaching out and be like hey could you could you could you pass on this message can you? Yes. It is. Man, it is insanely funny. Um, I I remember when we were doing our tiering. Uh, I I kind of put Equus and Aridan both fairly high just because I said that they they make the comic more enjoyable to read whenever they're around. I might have to go back on that for Equus, but I think Aridan immediately. I was just delighted by how shitty this guy is. It's really funny. Yeah. It. <sighs> Um, like, not only is he reaching out to try to get Kanaya to get Vriska to unblock him, um, but he immediately, like, slut-shames her for doing too much, uh, mediation, um, and then says, so, that's why you should, that's why you should help me. Um, which is just a, he, he, he like, this guy, right? This guy. Th- um, I, he's, he's so much. It... <laughs> <laughs> I, I I also regret um I regret uh I said this earlier, I regret um how many times I described Equius as a Nazi, uh, because Aridan is like just er- Aridan is like the specific flavor of Nazi that's like the guy with the with the marble bust icon on Twitter. <laughs> He's a marble bust icon guy. You're right. <laughs> um and I think the well in this in the special log, like he's like I want to do genocide on all the land dwellers, um, and completely does not understand when Kanaya is like you know maybe I don't want to do that because I have empathy and not just because I don't want to die, um, but I think my favorite line from from this whole uh, this whole thing, um, is when. He uh starts like waxing poetic about like genocide and like rivers of blood running through the galaxy, um and how beautiful and heartbreaking it will be. And then uh he uses this to go into telling Kanaya that she should read more history books instead of her shitty uh <laughs> romance, which is just fucking hilarious. It's so on the nose. Yeah, it it really is. I have to give so many points to Hussey for writing this caricature of a guy that has lasted so well. Um, and I have to give credit to Kanaya for just telling him to fuck off. 
or, or just kind of saying like I, I'm sorry, but none of this matters. Um. But yeah, uh, Aridin, he's like kind of a weird. He's like kind of a weird incel. Um. He he doesn't like that he's friend zoned by Feferi. Um. He wants to do genocide. Uh. And he's really obsessed with like bloodlines and purity. Um. The, the, the other thing that happens in this special log is that uh, Aridin kind of pokes at Kanaya for having a crush on Briska. Yeah. Um, and Kanaya like turns it around in a really beautiful way where she kind of baits Aridin uh, into getting really excited that she, she makes up that Feferi was like, yeah, dude, Aridin's so hot, I want to be red with him. <laughs> And he falls for it really hard, and that's super mad. It's so which, funny. Which is beautiful. It's so funny. It's beautiful. The the <laughs> line, if you're not savvy about how you define yourself to people, you can just splash into the Moirail zone before you know which way's upward. Man. He's <laughs> he's really something. It's just another, like, this is the word for friend zone, yeah. basically. Yeah. He's just, yeah. The, the stereotype of guy has aged like, like a fine wine. And also... And, and, <laughs> that it ends. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was I was about to talk about that. We we get the classic, the classic it's hard line. Being a kid and growing up. It's hard and nobody understands. I just love that this is dropped by the the guy who's just bitching about not getting laid and wanting to do genocide. I I forgot that he was the first one who said it. I knew I knew the line existed, and I thought that it started as like a like a narrator line. I did I I completely forgot that Aridin said it first. I really like I I went and I searched for it and I couldn't find an earlier instance and I was just like, well, I guess I guess that Aridin set the precedent. That's pretty great. Um <laughs> But yeah, Ar- Aridin is just like the he's just the teenage Nazi stereotype. Um it, it he's hilarious. Uh he sucks so bad. Yeah. Um But uh but yeah, uh so so that that's him. Um we we don't immediately switch to him. We're gonna stick with Kanaya for a second. Um, so another parallel to Jade that we see is that Kanaya uh has a she sits on a little uh pile of things in the same way that Jade does, and she goes under her lunch top computer in the same way that Jade does. Um, but like how Jade uh contacts the trolls, uh Kanaya has a. Can I can view uh, Rose's wa- like Gamefax walkthrough uh, from the server on the furthest ring, um, and this is a pretty interesting uh, kind of detail because Kanaya has already has this idea of what the game is from this FAQ, um, and has in her head like, but it, for her like in her head, she's kind of invented this whole drama about the the, the players of this session. Um, and she has this, like, idea of Rose in her head of this, uh, super badass, powerful, uh, leader, uh, character. Yeah. Um, who she, who she's, like, actively fantasizing about. Uh, which adds kind of a really interesting dimension, I think, to their relationship. Yeah. In, in, in how, in, like, how can I basically met her hero, and then that went in a weird way. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think that's cool. Um, and, uh, the, the, the troll rose is an interesting, 
Well, not like a shame, but it's just kind of like, ah, it's funny. But yeah, so Kanaya is, is is another is the most directly trolled Jade, I guess. Yes. Um, I I I do think it's interesting that we're finally starting to see like, um, how like interwoven the 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 trolls and the humans are. Yes. And it's only gonna get more as we go on. But oh, for sure. But but it's it's good to start seeing like. It's not just the trolls who affect the humans; it's the humans who affect the trolls as well. Mm-hmm. I I think I like this walkthrough thing because like it adds another dimension to two characters' relationships besides uh, them just talking to each other. Yeah. Um. Like, I I think that this is a new like a, a pretty new thing that a character has like a, like has never met another character but has an image of them in their head. Yeah. And that's 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 a good way to set up a, a dynamic, I think. Um, but yeah, that's all we're gonna get of Kanaya uh, for the time being. Um, because we're back to our favorite. Uh, we're back to our favorite source of drama, which is uh, Tavarus and Briska once again. Oh man, this is a pretty wild one. Yeah, the, the, um, this segment's a, it's a roller coaster. It's a doozy. Um, immediately before we talk about anything that happens, um, I want to point out that uh, just looking at Tavarus's house uh in the game. Vriska has put his uh the uh, what the fuck do you call it? Um the totem cutter uh all the way like at the edge of the lawn. Um and the the alchemiter is like on top of the house. So just incredibly incredibly cruel from Vriska we get to this visual storytelling. C- come on, she there's, there's a ramp. Come on, it's fine. Come <laughs> there's, there's yeah. the ramp is right there. <laughs> Great. Um, uh, and uh, <laughs> this is hard. As we as we go to their conversation, um, it is it is just uh, Ta- Vriska shitting on Tavros for being disabled and antagonizing him based on that. And it, it it's so strange to read. Oh yeah. Definitely. Um. So, so so yeah. Basically, she keeps building up with stairs. Um, and taunting him, telling him just just climb, idiot. Um, and she's just not like that's basically like she's just making him uh bend to her will and like not hearing anything else besides it and just kind of mocking him constantly throughout. Yeah. Um. I. I feel weird about this. Um, I think that the the kind of di- the dynamic we see between Tevros and Vriska is interesting insofar as Vriska obviously has some fixation with Tavros, and her main thing is that she wants to see him become less passive. Yeah, she the, the, uh, there's like this obsession with like making him stronger. Yes, and not even just stronger necessarily, just making him take action. Yeah. Um, but the way that it's conveyed in the story is, like, just, it's, it's just all at the expense of him being disabled. Yeah. And I feel really weird about that. I, I feel like there are definitely a multitude of better ways to execute a relationship of this kind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... 
yeah, I, I, I don't know, I don't know how I would do it, um, if I was writing the story, uh, but I feel like I would not, I would not go with the, him being wheelchair bound and having to go upstairs. Yeah. Um, it's a little, it's a little too on the nose, and it's just, like, uncomfortable, and I just don't, I don't, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't think the story really should have gone here, but that's, that's kind of what we're faced with right now. Yeah. Um. Uh, so some things from the the dialogue, though, um, particularly from Vriska. Uh, this is the second time that the concept of a truce has been brought up between Vriska and someone else, and yeah. it's also the second time Vriska seems to have an idea of what the truce was about, which it may have not actually been about, because yeah, I I, I don't think that that. Friska and Tavros agreed to a truce where uh he would be less boring. Yeah. I kinda I kinda doubt that, that was how that was agreed upon initially. Yeah. Um Yeah. I I understand now I'm getting a better understanding of why people hate Vriska so much, yeah. especially when, when she was introduced. Uh because like if you're not looking at this from from like uh Man, it's kind of weird that Hussey would choose to illustrate this this story in this way. Like, wow, Vriska is just being horrible yeah. uh, to poor Tavros. Um, especially at the end where uh, he's like, what do you want me to apologize for being paralyzed? And she's like, yeah, apologize to me for being paralyzed, idiot. Which is like, like eh. it, it, it's kind of weird because like, he's paralyzed because of her. Yeah, not only is it really ableist, but, you know, she's the one who broke his bag. Like, come on. Um. Yeah, uh, Tavros, uh, attempts to summon his, his self-confidence in the form of Rufio, um, in, in the form of Dante Basco, uh, but that's, that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> Because <laughs> I didn't do my research, I know there's going to be other venues for it. Um, <laughs> Dante Vasco will definitely come back stronger oh, than yeah. ever down the line. <laughs> we could we could definitely talk about that in like I don't know, probably like 15 episodes. If 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 you got if any of you know Dante Vasco, tell him to listen to our podcast. He's still into home. We'll have him on. He's he probably would be willing to do that. Cause, um, Tell him. They everybody at him. Um, there was a uh, a read along for the the epilogues, and like he came on to the live stream and like did some reading. And he he re- he recently um he recently did some voice acting as as the character Rufio in the the Let's Read Homestuck videos on YouTube. Wow. So, Mister Basco, please come on the show and and. Tell us about your history with the comic. Please. <laughs> tell, tell us about Homestuck 2.0. I, I, I know it's a failed project that's never going to happen, but come, come, come talk about it, please. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, so, Ruf- so Dante Basco and Rufio aside, um, Tavros is kind of dejected and really has no course of action while Vriska bullies him. Um, until Kanaya shows up to, to do her mediating thing, um, where she threatens to spill a toilet over Riska's head if she doesn't stop abusing poor Tavros. Um, 
which to which uh, Vriska menacingly says she will think of another way to help, and she'll do something nice, and so she'll be right back. Uh, at which point, um, conversation ends. Uh, Vriska actually does go downstairs and do something nice for Tavros, which is that she goes and finds her um, her rocket boots, uh, and sends the code to him so he can make a rocket-powered chair so he doesn't have to roll around or crawl around everywhere. Um, which which is a, a nice maneuver. I'll give her that. Um, one little detail that I thought was funny that I had no idea if this was a Joker referencing something um, is that when she goes downstairs to get her rocket boots, it, it mentions that she has, like, an obsession with, like, red shoes. Hmm. Is that, like, is that like a reference to anything? I I don't know. Um I guess Ruska just likes red shoes. You must confess you will find favor with just about any kind of footwear as long as it is bright red. Um The the closest thing that I could probably think of is like it's kind of a a, a Wizard of Oz reference maybe? I don't know. The Wicked Witch was pretty Pretty obsessed with the red shoes. I thought they were green. No, they were red. I've not read or seen Wicked of, the the Wizard of Oz in probably about fifteen years. Man, but no, it <laughs> it could be it it could be a a dunk on Vriska calling her a a wicked witch. I would not be surprised. Damn. Damn. Shots fired, Hussy. Even though Hussy loves Vriska. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, Riska Riska does Tavros this 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 small favor. Um, one one of the funny little details during the sequence is that uh, when when Riska goes back up to her room, Kanaya is like cleaning up her floor. Um, in a very uh keep keeping in line very strongly with her with Kanaya being the mom friend thing. Yeah. Uh, I think that's really cute that she's sorting the the cracked shells of the eight balls and the little dice inside. Yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, so Riska sends the, the code for the shoes to Tavros, he alchemizes the chair, um, and he, he gets going on his game of scrub. Um, time fast forwards a bit, uh, so we cut forward to Tavros is kind of doing in-game puzzle solving. He's playing scrub as intended. Um, which, uh, well, he's, he's cheating in so far that he's manipulating the, his, his mobs to follow him instead of fighting them. Yeah. Um, but he's getting puzzle solved. Uh, so he has another conversation with Vriska, um, where Vriska has very evidently gotten bored with the game, um, and suggests to Tavros that he, uh, start skipping ahead. In a way that's very reminiscent of how uh, Terezi uh, encouraged John to skip ahead in in Act Four. Yeah, I, w- I was gonna say it. It basically mirrors that because like John and Tavros are both brass players. Uh, Scourge sisters. The Scourge sisters are manipulating a brass player. Right. Uh, but a- as we see, um. Tavros, in fact, skips forward to a much more sinister encounter. Yeah. Um, so, 
well, <laughs> so Tavros skips ahead to what he is told is the is the last gate to his denizen. Um, but in fact, it is his second gate, uh, and he crashes into into Briska's home. Not unlike a previous incident where uh, a breath player crashed into a light player's house, um, but it, it, it's very different other than that surface level detail. Uh, so we get this really strange little sequence. Yeah. To this day, I I don't know how to feel about this sequence, like, at all. It's really yeah. weird. Um, This is, I think, this is what made me think, like, man, this is a real turning point for this comic. Um, so, yeah, so Vriska has set up this little roleplay scenario uh, where she's wearing, like, this, like, skimpy little fairy dress, and she's got fairy wings. She's, like, dressed up like a fairy, Tavros' favorite thing in the world. Um, and she does this little, like, roleplay uh, where Tavros is Pupa Pan... Um, and she's trying to cheer him up, and she give and she basically just picks him up and grabs him and like non consensually gives him a kiss. Um, it, it, and it, it's it's weird, dude. Um, it, 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 <laughs> help help me help me okay. help me finish describing this. Um, I'm floundering. To, okay, to me this. This scenario feels like something that, like, Vriska's, like, trying to appeal to him. Because, like, this whole setup is, like, he likes fairies, he likes Pupa Pan. Um, she's trying very hard. She's trying very hard to to make him feel some kind of way about her. Yeah. Because we do see the flashing between the, the heart and the spade. And then she tries to mind control him. Which is, like, even weirder. It... I think she wants him to... She just wants him to do something. Yeah. Like, I, I see, like, she first pulls him in and then pushes him back out. And she's, she just seems disgusted that he's, like, not doing anything. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I feel like her trying to manipulate him into doing something is not unlike how... She manipulating him into jumping off the cliff. Yeah. Uh, just to do something, but like as soon as he starts getting like grabby, like she's like, man, fucking, not into it anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's it's such it, it, it's a first for the comic. I'll say that much. This is not something that we've had to process before. Uh, is forced romantic is like, well, no, we have dealt with that before, but like it, 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 it's Vriska, so it's different. Yeah. Um, like with Equus and Aradia, uh, it was basically non-consensual, like completely. Um, like as in Equus was just purely using, um, like using, uh deeper means to force Arati to feel a certain way. Yeah. It, here, Vriska is, like, f- using this physical scenario to try to influence Tavros to take it, like, to to reach his own conclusions. Yeah. Here, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, this is, like, a more, like, straightforward, like, existent romantic scenario, I think. 
it's obviously really unhealthy, but it's just bizarre. Yeah. Um. I, I, I have always, and, and the other thing about this is, I have always felt that like the way Vriska dresses up here is always maybe a little bit uncomfortable. Um, just to the extent of like she's wearing a dress that's like really short. Yeah. Like she's wearing like what I assume are like thigh high socks, and it's like, man, it's a it's a little weird. Uh, like to the to the extent that like she's even basically dressed up skimpy to try to get him to feel something. Yeah. She's got her lipstick on. It's it's just it's a little strange. Um. Yeah, I I don't know what else there's to say about this. Um. Uh, the, there is something else I want to say about it, but I'm going to wait until we get, like, to the, like, explanations on, like, troll romance in a few yes. pages. Because there, there's a particular line that that leads me to believe something about the sequence, and I, I will bring that up when we get to it. The troll romance explanation, which are about, like, fucking seven pages away from, yeah. is a big out to let us talk about all this stuff. Yeah. But yeah, um, but so before that, um, Kanaya, who's acting as Risk's server player, uh, she sees this transpire and she is just torn apart by it. Um, she feels betrayed, uh, she feels doubly betrayed because, uh, she's the one who made the dress for Briska. Um, so obviously that just feels terrible. Yeah. Uh, that her, her crush has used this to seduce another, someone else. Really, really bad sequence. I don't like seeing Kanaya cry. Yeah, it's it's really sad. Uh, I think it's... I, I don't want to say that I like it, because uh, that just sounds weird, but like I think it's a good... Uh, it's a good character moment. Oh, yeah, it, it's, it, it it's, is. It's good for establishing this this whole thing. Um, Being a kid is hard, and nobody understands. Um, Yeah. This is peak sad stuck. Yeah. And then we get the, we get the romance. We, oh yeah, we're here, we're here, everybody. We're, the the big moment, the the big like, reality altering moment, <laughs> for like everyone who was into Homestuck. For uh, yeah, um, I, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna let you try to dive into this because what I wrote down for this is like I know all this shit. Okay. Um. Um. So... <laughs> for, first of all. The, the, the far-reaching implications of these pages still exist to this day. There is still impact. I... Okay. So, troll romance. There's four types of troll romance. I don't... I don't really want to get into the, like... The arrangement of them, like, on a chart. And, like, this half is this, this half is that. Because, uh... The, the club's romance, I think, is really stupid. And I think it kind of throws a wrench into like everything, but I feel like the 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 club's romance is a decent setup, um, but it has the issue where I think it kind of like too finely granulates something that would should naturally just occur in your stories anyway. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um. So we have troll romance. We have the flushed quadrant. The Caligonus Quadrant, the Pale Quadrant, and the Ashen Quadrant, represented by uh, hearts, diamond, uh, just club suits. Just everything has to have a fucking motif. Card suits. Yeah, everything has to connect. Everything has to reference something else in Homestuck. 
So we have card suits to represent troll romance. Mm-hmm. Um, so first we have the hearts. Uh, that that is really um directly correlated to like normal human romance. It's it's a means of reproduction. It 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 just means you really like someone. It's pos- It's mutual positive feelings. Yes. Um. Uh, I, I I I don't know how true. Carcat's explanation of it was earlier where he said that uh, it's it's pity, the, the, the lesser negative feelings, but I guess in, to understand the context of these characters, it, 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 I, the, narrative, the narrator says it's positive, so I'm going to say that Carcat's an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the opposite of, of this type of romance is uh, the, the Caligonist Quadrant. Uh, okay, well, first of all, if, if you're in hearts with someone, you're mate sprints. That, that's, right. that's the word. I don't know if ma- the word mate spritz has come up prior to this. It may have. Yes, uh, I believe it has. Okay. Uh, At least when Carcat was monologuing at Vriska, he said it. Yeah. Okay. So that's mate spritz. Then you have the Caligonus Quadrant, which is uh, spades. And that's when you really, really hate someone. But you hate them, you hate them so much that it's sexual. And that, that is also a means of reproduction in, in troll society. Uh, the example that's given is Jack Noir and the Black Queen, which I... I said history is... I said in my notes, history has vindicated us. It's... I completely forgot that that was the example given. It's so much. The the fact that... <laughs> everything about that is just a lot. Um, shout out... Shout out Jack Noir x, x the Black Queen. Shout out me for saying that I felt like those pages were really sexual, and shout out you for agreeing... And then it just says that it's true. Yeah, man. Um, I want to. I want to add. Uh, maybe maybe I missed something while reading this. Um, but uh, the the black like black rum is not necessarily just sexual. Like that's obviously a big component of it. But like, yeah, it, it it's when you hate somebody not so much that it becomes sexual, but like just that like there's something. Uh, y- your hate goes both ways in such a way that you uh become attached. Yeah. Um, and there, there have been some takes on, uh, okay, for this quadrant, if you're, if you're in a relationship with someone in this quadrant, it's called being kismesis, kis, kismesis, kismesis, um, I, I, I say, I say it is someone else is your kismesis and you together are kismesis. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a decent pronunciation. I, I, I've seen some good takes on this quadrant in the past, um, particularly that like, uh, you dislike someone, but you want them to better themselves. I think that's probably like the most healthy take on on being in that quadrant. The most healthy take on what is kind of even in the narrative designed to be a really unhealthy relationship with somebody. Yeah. Um. This this quadrant is probably the one that has the most like historical ramifications in like our reality because to this day <laughs> I will see posts that are like, hey. Why isn't there a word for for two people who really hate each other, but they hate fuck? And there will be, like, 50 people in the responses with a screenshot of that that tweet that's, like, uh, something about, like, part of human nature is to recreate Homestuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. (laughs) The concept of being kismesises will be eternal. Uh, Thank you, Hussy, for, for giving a name to it that will never go away. 
And also... Yes, also important to note that he did not invent this concept. Like, hate-fucking has been, like, a thing in media for yeah. a while. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, I think the earliest example I ever remember hearing about it is, like, Batman... And, like, how every female villain he has to fuck at some point. Yeah. Uh, just because. Um, but yeah, this is, like, the, I think this is probably the first time that a name to the relationship has been given outside of, like, just the sex part. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, the, this, this quadrant being given a name, it, it, it has good and bad sides. Bad sides mostly being, uh... A lot of people back in the day, and probably still to this day, teens, t- teens, uh, they they consider themselves to have kismesises. Um, I, which, which in fairness, most of the time is just a way for them to have fun and not. Most people, okay, most people who like tried to use these words to describe real life did not really like. It, it was not. They were not trying to follow through completely to the letter. Yeah. I say most. Yeah. Um, I, I as I said in the last episode, um, for a time, I, ha- I had a quote-unquote kismesis. Um, <laughs> if, 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 if you're listening to this podcast, uh, Minecraft user World Hero 1, hit me up. How are you doing? What's going on in your life? I don't know why I'm saying this. I could just, I, I'm friends with her on Facebook. Um. <laughs> um but yeah kismesis hey fucking uh hussy coined the term existed forever though um pretty pretty interesting but yeah i've i've seen a lot of people who are like non-homestucks but i don't know if they've like interacted with homestuck in the past but i've seen people like use the word kismesis oh. like a lot and and it's in like non homestuck uh scenarios but they'll have like profiles that are very like non homestuck in general so it's like hard mm-hmm. to know if the word is just like currently circulating to this day from homestucks to non homestucks and it's just sticking and continuing to circulate or i don't know i won't be surprised at all yeah but anyway. Also, one of the one of the more explored ones, like in fan work, I, th- I think people really just had just that because it has a name and because it's explored in the comic. I think people really had a uh, 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 people really wanted to get into this and like how you could do it. Yeah. Um, and I gotta say, I mean, it's a it's an it's a, it's a non conventional dynamic to write between characters. Yeah. Um, and it's it, it's I yeah I get it. And also like um. For for this type of relationship and for like the the other two quadrants that I will get into, uh, putting putting words on these types of relationships really did a lot for like the shipping scene. We 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 um man shipping charts for Homestuck were a lot. A lot any any graph that's like uh character heads with like four different colored lines going in between them. And the 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 caption just being here's my here's my homestuck shipping chart. I'm gonna I'm gonna give a big call sign to anybody who was alive during this time. But like, uh, I remember being like it, like big in 2011. Uh, well, not it was 2012, 2013. Um, and like 
having a special page on my Tumblr blog that would have like feastings sprite pixel edits <gasps> of like me and all my friends <gasps> uh w- with like the different quadrants added above added above it uh like a- as mostly as a joke uh but I that that's a big uh I think that's a th- that's one of my things to like to bring up to write everyone I'm a homestuck boomer man but <laughs> uh Enough, enough about the quadrant itself. The, these two quadrants, uh, being Matespritz and being Kismesis, uh, in Troll Society, since these are the two reproductive uh, quadrants, we, we get an explanation on how Troll reproduction works, which is very loaded. Um, uh, very vague. Very blessedly vague. Yeah, very vague, but also very loaded. Uh, a, an Imperial drone will, will find you and track you down and you, you and your mate spirit or your kismesis, uh, wh- whichever pair you are, you will have to fill a bucket with with your genetic material, which will then be taken to the mother grub, who will then combine all of the buckets in in an incestuous slurry. And uh, if if you have a, if you have a strong relationship, uh, uh, th- those will come out as dominant genes. Uh, not so strong relationships, recessive genes, all that good stuff. Um, very <laughs> a lot to unpack it, it, again the vagueness uh very key factor thank you the, thank you thank for, for thank you vague. for being vague but at the same time the vagueness of it 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 sparked a lot of head cannoning in in the fandom particularly when it comes to like uh troll genitals uh because this whole process is it's unique i'll give it that I will give it that. It's very unique. Yeah. Yeah. But there are just so many steps in the process that are very questionable. I think that it's... I I am a big fan of the decision to make it this vague. Um, just because I don't really think that's a necessary detail. Um, and I, I think that it kind of... Um, put like a soft limitation on like how sexual the comic could get which i which i guess i appreciate yeah um i what else am i going to say um the the one question that I actually had that was raised from this to me uh is whether it's common for kismesis to live together yeah um which is a weird question i know that the 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 explanation says that Kismesis, uh, just because it's such a weird and volatile relationship, is are they're prone to lapse between red and black quadrants, um, maybe be off, like, not requited, or, like, be flipped. Um, and, and, and it just makes me wonder, like, the one, I, I do wish that we'd kind of gotten more insight as to uh, how trolls in quadrants, how that affects how they live. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, <laughs> the filial pales, we, we've mentioned the Applebee's video. Yeah, th- this gives the, the backstory for why the Applebee video, Applebee's video exists. Um. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I, I, re- I recall that uh one of the like theories as to what 
the bucket filling actually uh entailed was like they would like puke it like puke genetically in the buckets to fill them. Yeah. Uh, which is one of the more PG thirteen ways people came up with that happening. But I really don't know whether that sparked the app. What what, what was the chicken or the egg there? Yeah. Uh, on that theory, um, and that's just awful. Um. Enough about the Applebee's video. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> t- 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 tell us about the tell us about the the quadrants that aren't specifically about fucking. Okay. So next we have uh, the Ashen Quadrant. Oh God. Which is Bless you. thank you. Um, it it's it's a it's a three way black romance, which it, it it it's when two people start hating each other, and someone else has to intervene. Which is called the the auspitus, I think is how you say it. I don't know. Uh, aus- 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 auspitus. Aus- I really think the hussy came up with these words to fuck with people who say words too fast. Yeah. Um. The auspitus uh uh mediates the the two people who who are who are hating at each other. Uh, and this is necessary because it prevents widespread black infidelity. In, in troll society. I, I love that uh, they think of infidelity in terms of, like, y- if you if you have mutual hatred with somebody, that needs to be an exclusive thing. Or, like, that should be an exclusive thing. Yeah. I, 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 find, I find the, the Ashen Quadrant to be, like, the hardest to talk about. Like, I get it. I, I really yeah. get it. But the fact that it is a designation as, like, an actual form of romance... I, I I think is very stupid. I t- in my eyes I feel like Hussy just wanted some way to incorporate three people into a relationship so that it could look like a club. Yeah. And I I feel like if he didn't do that he probably could have come up with like a better and probably more interesting fourth quadrant. Uh, not that it's uninteresting, but I feel like it's not very uh, novel. It doesn't really add anything, because like I said like a minute ago, like I feel like it's just a dynamic that should emerge in your stories anyway. Yeah. If you have more than if you have like more than two characters. Um and even the example that's shown uh on the like on on like the shown on the page is um Kanaya and is uh Kanaya mediating Tavris and Briska, which is Really not a great example because Kanaya has her own like is Kanaya has a like her own moral allegiance thing going on with Riska, but she has red feelings for Riska. And, like it's not it's a very non clear cut example of yeah. what this is supposed to be. Um and that's that's brought up. It it says that like if it if an auspices has like some other sort of like quadrant motive with like one of the other people in 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 the Ashen Quadrant, that it'll essentially just not work out and not be a good hospitizing situation. Yeah, and it'll just fall apart and result. That 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 brings in brings us into the next part, which is that like trolls have very volatile relationships that yes. change very easily. The 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 example given is Aradia and Equius switching between mate spritz mate spritz and uh, Kismesis's. Uh, grumble, horrible nightmare. <laughs> um, hold on, brain brain fart. Uh, yeah, 
yeah yeah and and then the page after that it it goes into the it the whole if if an osmosis isn't into like like wholly dedicated into osmotizing like it'll just fall apart and then the two people will go into a, a a volatile moment in which they switch between being mate spritz and kismesis's yeah, seizure warning, by the way. Yeah, the, these, the, these, like, switching pages are, like, a lot on the eyes. Um, It's part of why I didn't want to linger on them too long. Yeah. But, um, Final Quadrant, Pale Quadrant, uh, is, is, uh, Moirelegence. Moirelegence. Moirelegence? Moirelegence. I, I, I have never known how to pronounce this word. Yeah. Um, and it is described as being soulmates, which is another one of those things, like, to this day, I'm not sure how I feel about that word choice. Uh, but basically, Moirails are meant to balance each other out. Uh, typically one of them will keep another one in check. But, but, but the example given is Nepeta and Equius, which kind of gives insight into like what was going on but i i still don't feel too good about their their relationship in general yeah yeah like i i think that the example of nepeta and equius gives me a weird impression of the of this quadrant um from the get-go because uh, I mean, Nepeta is obviously doing a pretty good job of making sure that Equus doesn't snap, um, and giving him some kind of uh, relatively healthy venue of positive feelings. Yeah. Um, but it's still just like he's really uh, horrible to her. Um, and it it it, it made me, I I kind of got the impression that like, uh, at least from that example, like more allegiance being like in the in the on the red side of the equation. Uh, it just doesn't quite feel right to me. Yeah. Um. It, which is which is more religious, I think, is one of the more uh like beloved and I I, I guess per- perceived as wholesome. Yeah. Things to come out of the comic. Um, it used to be uh it probably still is a huge thing like where you know if you had a really good friend like you would call each other your moirails. Yeah. Um, that was a huge thing. I did it a ton. Yeah, me too. Um, and, you know, it was, it was, like, a fun and wholesome way to, like, convey with somebody who you had a really strong friendship with, like, how important you felt like they were to you. Yeah. Um, but th- it just doesn't quite match up one-to-one with, like, the way it's presented in the comic, which is just weird to me. Um, because it's basically, like, it's there so that, uh, so that someone who's, like, a psycho doesn't cause irreparable damage to society. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, kind of uh, weird. Kind of, kind of weird chant. Um, I mean, like, I don't. I, again, I mean, it's it's part of the the society that he's built. That's obviously meant to be like cruel and yeah. strange. But it's it, it it the 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 the, the, the English <laughs> the disconnect between how it's in the comic and how the fandom kind of grabbed it and loved it, it. It struck me as a little bit weird. Yeah. Um, and and I feel like uh the. There's probably a healthier example of this that I'm not remembering that doesn't involve a character like Equius, um, but I could be completely wrong. I guess we'll see as we go ahead. Yeah. 
Um, the the next example given is is Feffrey and Aridin. <laughs> Unfortunately, the immediate next example is a character just as awful as that. <laughs> and, and and then we get a we get a nice little gif that that shows how how volatile and and what's the word I'm looking for malleable uh, troll relationships can be. They're just flying all over the place. Yeah. Um, I, I, the other part of this that I look at, I'm like. How much of this also just comes from these being, like, teenagers? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to say that, like, uh, I know that we've had a lot of conversations about, like, when the, the characters in this comic are teenagers and when they're not, but I think that pretty much most of the romance stuff is, like, very on the, the teenager yeah. side of the equation. Yeah. Then we get um, a... Then we get a page about how Karkat, in the future, will try to explain troll romance to John, but John didn't understand any of this because he's a moron. <laughs> uh, there, uh, the, uh, th- this is one of my more favorite hussy notes on this page, which is that um, he talk he he mentions that uh like Karkat uh even though John and Karkat both have their affection for terrible terrible movies, uh Karkat has like built up this mythos in his head of, like, why they're the best thing ever, and, like, how they're amazing, um, they explain so much for society, whereas John, uh, the reason that John likes all these movies is that he just kind of thinks they're neat, and he loves Nick Cage. Yeah, uh, I think it was, uh, when Carcat was talking to Vriska, uh, some pages ago, uh, when, when he, he said that he, he enjoys them because they're interesting from a, a sociological perspective, it's so like, funny. Like, okay, buddy. Okay. It, 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 it's great characterization for Carcat. Yeah. I'm a huge fan. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, so I think that that pretty much takes us out of our our um, four-year college course on Troll Romance. Okay. Uh, the, 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 the final page on on uh, troll romance is, is what I wanted to bring up in in regards to Vriska, mm-hmm. and it is that every troll believes strongly that each quadrant holds one and only one true pairing for them, and that line specifically makes me feel like Vriska thinks that Tavros belongs in some quadrant for her, and her obsession. With like making him stronger, making him want to act, is like her her like trying to make him right for her. I'm nodding. Good. And it also uh go ahead with what you're gonna okay. say. There's a reason why I think she thinks Tavros belongs in a quadrant with her. But I'm not going to be able to bring that up until, like, the end of Act 5, Act 2. Because it has okay. to do with ancestors. And... Okay. And I will I will definitely bring that up. Because I feel like it explains a lot... It, it, it definitely doesn't, like, dismiss it or, like, work as an excuse for it. But it, it, it I think it will give some insight into why Vriska treats Tavros the way she does. Yeah. I was just gonna say, um, I think it kind of makes sense that 
Riska would have this obsession with filling a quadrant if, I mean, given that we've seen her, she's very deeply insecure about uh, people spending time with her, and, like, she kind of knows she's terrible to people, um, but, like, as Doc Scratch has ta taunted her about, like, she's, like, whether or not, like, he, why do people waste their time on her? Yeah. And so, if she has, like, a, I, I, I could see it just as a character thing that, if she had an inkling that a char that another character like belonged in one of her quadrants, that she would really desperately cling on to that, even if it was painful. Yeah. Yeah, that's that that that's my that's my input on that. Yeah. We will definitely bring this up again. Riska is going to constantly it's... be brought up in some way from this point forward. It's literally all about Riska. I don't know how to explain it. It just is. The the second that she she walked on screen, she became the main character, and that's just how it's going to be. Yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> yeah, so 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 we're finally out of the 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 four-year college course on Tormans plus graduation ceremony. <laughs> um and we we land on our our second example of a pair of Moirails in the comic, which is which is Feferi and Aridan. Um Aridan gets a way cooler intro than he deserves. Yeah. Um, I think it's really funny to me that, uh, all of the characters get these really standard introduction pages besides these two, one of whom is, like, the, the incel Nazi, and the other one of whom is, like, a joke of how little she does in the comic. Yeah. I think that has to do with them being sea dwellers. It, it, yes. It's, it's kind of unfortunate that, like, as characters, they're not really worthy of it, but it, it definitely—I—I I, I do think these, this grand entrance does have to do with them being like higher up in in society. Yes, this is also, I believe, the first glimpse we get of Aridan's entire fit, which is—it's—it's it's something, all right. I have never known what to think of Aridan's entire outfit. S swag. <laughs> He's got the drip. He is dripping. Um, the, <laughs> this fucking bling rings, it's so funny. Um, like, oh not only, like, okay, the, so there's, like, four different things going on here. I don't even know all of them. Like, so one, he has, like, the hipster glasses from 2011, 2012, when, like, it was funny and topical to make fun of hipsters. Um, listeners, younger listeners, you may now know this caricature as the soy boy. Um, but the the image of, uh, of a, like, bot, like a, a gla thick glasses rimmed, uh, nerd, um, is an old one. And, and back in 2011, we called them hipsters. Uh, and the whole, go the, the gag was that hipsters only liked things that were unpopular. Um, so he's got the, he's got the hipster glasses. Uh, he's got, like... The, he's got a Harry Potter scarf. Um, he's, he's he's supposed to be a wizard, uh. So he's got the the striped scarf, um, and he's got wands, which we'll see later. Um, but he's also Harry Potter. Uh, he's got the fucking, he's got like streamer hair. He has like a a a, a dyed streak of hair in the front, uh, which is just really funny. Um, I don't know whether the. I don't know if this is intentional on this page 2408 for him, his, his lips to look really prominent, but they do. Uh, he's got like a giant cape with the, with the huge collar around his head. 
He's got the bling rings. He's got these horrible vertically striped pants. Um, and his shoes even are... It, it, it's, it's, it's bizarre. There, there, uh, there's so much going on. I, I, I can't stop talking. I can't keep talking about it. it okay. It, the, okay. There, there's something I want to talk about. It has nothing to do with the comic <laughs> itself. It's another, it's another fandom point. Um, in the fandom, there, there was a well-known Aridin cosplayer from like years ago. I don't know if I've, I've talked about them before. <laughs> um, but, but there's a very notable video. Well, two notable videos. The, the one that got them popular was uh, a video of, of them cosplaying as Aridin and going through a McDonald's drive-thru yeah. and ordering a water. And it's funny It's funny because the quirk is water. Laugh. It, it's funny. Um, another video that like blew up like a year ago is a video of the same cosplayer like standing in their room and they're, they're like fully dressed as Aridin, and the, the they, like, put their fists together, like, showing off the rings on their hands, and the camera, like, zooms in, and, and they go, pretty swag, huh? <laughs> and it's so funny. That blow up in 2019. That's such, like, a 2012 thing to blow up. It, it, um, it, it was used around the time uh, where the, the Funny Fish Friday meme was, like, popping off because the video got repurposed right. for, like, a Funny Fish, Funny Fish Friday meme yeah, yeah um but unfortunately turns like like when that video like started popping off last year uh somebody who knew the cosplayer reached out and was like yeah um this person's really racist and basically a nazi which is like the funniest like turn of events ever for an Aridin cosplayer incredibly incredibly fitting um <laughs> god <laughs> I don't even I don't I don't even know what to say to that besides uh that's too perfect. <laughs> um, so basically, Aridin really... likers, if you're out there, be careful. Don't don't become Nazis. Do not become Nazis. Uh, we 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 heavily condemn uh Nazis on this show. <laughs> I don't even know that doesn't even need to be said. I don't think. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I, but I, I, I'm enjoying Aaron in the comic because he's a fake character, and it's really funny to see a 13-year-old Nazi bitch about how women don't want to talk to him. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh. Back to the back to what's going on in the comic. Um. He's riding on his his Lucis, which is like a, a flying seahorse, which is pretty fucking cool, honestly. Yeah. Um. Big shout out to to Seahorse Lucis. Oh, um, uh, something else that I that 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 I wanted to point out. Uh, the weapon he's holding. Oh yeah. Um, the weapon he's holding was also in the possession of the bunny that that was given to John from Jade. It, it, yes. it was one of the four weapons. It was the it was the gun. Uh, but yeah. Put a pin in that's that question there. mark. I don't know if that's ever explained. I, I think it is, um, or if it isn't, it's just kind of one, there was, there'd be a circumstance for it to make its way. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, so Aridin is Lucis hunting. Um, he, he kills this giant whale, which is some other, some other poor troll's parent, uh, and it, it, it falls dead into the sea below, um, which, 
At which point we transition to the to our other final troll, which who is who is Feferi. Um I, I looked it up, the pronunciation is Feferi Pacies. Okay. Uh not Pikesies, like I said for the better part of nine years. Um but yeah, uh she's here. Um her outfit's like Oh my god, voice Jesus back. Christ. Jesus, I need to drink some water. Oh my lord. <laughs> Alex, please edit that out. That was incredibly embarrassing. Alex, amplify that so that it's like the loudest thing in the episode. Oh my god. Oh my god. What the fuck just... I haven't had a voice crack that bad since I was like a teenager. <laughs> it happens. It happens to me like I'm all really the time. embarrassed. What was that? <laughs> um, wow. Uh, anyway, um... I'm I'm just too impressed by Feferi's also pretty interesting fit. Um a bit more coherent than Aridens, I'll say. Yeah. Uh Okay. Let let's move on. Um I'm stunned. Uh So Feferi uh picks up where where Aridens left off and she uh nets up uh the the, the recently deceased whale. Um, and brings it to her Lucis, who is a giant fucking tentacle monster, uh, who is, who is massive. Um, yeah, uh, it looks kind of like the old one from Demon's Souls. I don't know what that is. (laughs) She played Demon's Souls, it's pretty good. I'll I'll play it when the, when the remake comes out. Yeah, um, I'll make sure to go online and grief you. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so, that that whole sequence wraps up, um, and we get one of these little, uh, kind of dualistic pages, um, where it goes back to Feferi's page, uh, it says that she keep her quiet for a while, at least till she dies, and then Aridan says that she keep her happy for a while, um, I, I'm not 100% sure, uh, I, I'm, but uh, my guess here is that when Feferi says her, she's talking about her Lucis, yeah. and Aridan is talking about Feferi. Yeah, that's, that's what um, I get from it, too. Yeah, kind of clever. Um, but yeah, here's where we actually get uh, their, their interest pages. So, Aridan's is uh, pretty straightforward, um, and I... I Pretty much going off what we saw before. Uh, he's racist. Um, he has an overpowering uh, desire to to kill all land dwellers. Um, he has a, this obsession with military history, which is he's he's just a Marvel bust Avatar it's, guy. It's so on the nose. I. It... <laughs> um, he likes magic. Um. And he's obsessed with being royalty, and he thinks it's awesome. Uh, <laughs> it's the, the that's him. the The magic line in particular, uh, he likes magic even though he knows it's fake. I I feel like that's supposed to be playing into like the hipster trope. On like yeah, some it's level, like an ironic enjoyment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before all these stereotypes kind of. Mm, mesh into one another and got reshaped and all that. That was the other, like, 
hipster thing was irony. Yeah. Even though everybody does irony now, and we're all irony poisoned or whatever. But yeah. Um, and he speaks in uh, the funny accent, which a lot of people had this inexplicable fascination with Aridan's typing quirk in particular. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not an expert on it. I don't know why people were so into it. Uh, it, it's just kind of funny. I don't know. Shout out, shout out Octopimp for, <laughs> for, oh. for really pioneering, uh, troll voices in general. Yeah, uh, the, the troll comic dubs were some of my first exposure to the comics content. Um, and I, I don't know what there is to say about them. Uh, and I don't really remember many specifics besides, like, yeah, they were a pretty big thing. Um, they were... If if you went onto YouTube and looked at Homestuck stuff, that that was most of it. Uh, yeah. Um, Aridin, uh, I, I think he's hilarious. Um, inexplicable fan favorite. Inexplicable, inexplicable <laughs> unironic fan favorite. Um, I, I don't think that we need to be like, hey... Aerodan fans, what's going on here for Equius? Um, I but Aerodan is def. Aerodan's one of those like male characters who I think got a lot of unwarranted attention because they're quote unquote tortured in some way. Yeah, like he's a shitter, uh, and you have every valid reason to hate him, but because he feels bad about something, uh, he got an absolutely absurd amount of, like, stack of fan content. Oh, yeah. Uh, trying to shit, like, trying to save him. Um, I know it's a popular thing for anything with male characters like that, but I remember Aerodin very strongly being that. Yeah. Um, which is funny because, uh, especially today, I look at him and he, and I'm like, that's the guy on Twitter who called me a slur when I told him <laughs> that the Romans were really gay. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, the other one we have uh, is Feferi. Um, and I think it's a real shame, because I think that Feferi's intro page is probably more interesting than anything else we'll ever get with her. Yeah. Uh, the, the first detail is that her Lucis is, um, Glibgollum, um, uh, Emissary to the Horror Terrors. Uh, which is like okay, so there's a connection to the the gods of the furthest ring there. Yeah. Um. She, uh, what else? She's, uh, she's the she has the most noble blood possible. She is the only one of her kind uh, on Alternia, uh, who has fuchsia blood. Um, and this makes her the heir apparent to the Alternian royalty, which, unlike in a traditional monarchic historical society instead of making her next like she's next in line but uh the the queen the current queen would just try to kill her uh if not for uh the protection of Glubgolub. yeah and this is is this the first name drop of the of uh her imperious condescension because i want to say it is it is i'm pretty sure it is okay um or i think it might have been a name drop previously but we didn't have any context for it yeah um but yeah, that's a big, uh, big figure later on. <laughs> Absolutely big figure. Hold on to that one and don't let it go ever. I mean, it doesn't really matter right now because troll society is about to collapse yeah, completely. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, th that's the troll queen. Um, the condess, as it were. 
And Teferi's thing uh, is that even though she is of the highest blood status and she is in rightfully in line for the throne, um, but uh, she has a vision of society that is very atypical to what it is, where uh, Alternian society is very brutal. They have cullings where people are just killed for disabilities or arbitrary reasons, as it was described earlier. Yeah. Um, uh, but Fairy has this idea where she wants to redefine culling to mean, like, caring for, uh, and making society more, um, egalitarian. Um, she wants to bring the sea dwellers and land dwellers together, which is, like, a pretty big thing. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I think this is a, this is more interesting than probably a thing she does in the comic. Yeah. Uh, because it, we've had either... Some of the other female characters notably have a lot of a high degree of empathy. Um, but this is the like one of the few mentions I can recall of a really just strictly like uh view on like changing class yeah. dynamics in society. Yeah. And it's it's really unfortunate that like in Homeslike Proper we we never get to like see her explore that. Or see anything yeah. relevant to that get explored, because um, troll society is definitely like one of the most political parts of Homestuck. Yeah, and having a character that like wants to see that change, who is also in a position of power, is is very unique. Could have a lot of really potentially interesting stuff yeah. set up here. Um, I'm hoping. That like, um, Pester Quest will 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 help come that make that come to fruition in in the Pester Quest sequel. Pester Quest makers, please make a sequel. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's so unfortunate that that Feffrey doesn't get utilized like at all in in regards yeah. to like her beliefs. I know that like. Uh, a more leftist reading of Homestuck has kind of become popular in recent years. Yes. And we're, we're saying, anybody, anybody who has any sway over what the current extra-canonical material is doing, do something with a fairy. There's some potential here. Please. Please. Give her a use. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, real shame. I guess that's my, that's the, and that's really all there is to say, unfortunately. Yeah. Because um, I don't, I don't even know if um, like she she gets to do anything in the comic, uh, really besides like, kind of play the other side to Aaron and more allegiance yeah. and his romantic struggles. Um, I guess she's dropped one out, one of her three slurs before she leaves. <laughs> Look forward to the next two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm eager looking ahead. I know that we have a we've a, we've got a pretty notable slur coming up a lot pretty soon, uh. But more on that later. Um. But yeah, uh, the reading closes out on some some funny little some funny pages of uh, the the sea dwellers being cowboys and wizards, and doing a doing a doing a bump. It's really um, good. I just noticed that uh, fairies, like seahorses, have like a cutie mark, and I don't know if that's intentional. I, I, I'm 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 sure it's like 100 intentional. 
Yeah, given the time frame. Um, I don't want to pad out this episode too much longer, but when are we going to talk about uh, My Little Pony and it's and it's uh, the interplay with Homestuck? Because I know that there's something in there yeah, uh, to discuss. We're, we're probably going to talk about that in like Act 6 when, yeah. when a particular character becomes relevant. Yeah. I don't know if it comes up any, any time before then, besides uh, Maplehoof very obviously supposed to be like a like a like a my little pony reference i mean maple hoof emerged first in 2009 and the brony phenomenon was a 2011 thing if i recall 2010 i mean i mean, I mean but maple hoof had a cutie mark as well and and i mean my little ponies existed for like a while yeah, but I'm talking about like My Little Pony is like a phenomenon oh, yeah, in the context that would interplay with Homestuck. Yeah, we'll definitely get into that in Accent Accent <laughs> at some point. That's another that's another uh, collective trauma that I I suffer from <laughs> along with many others. Thank God I missed the 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 My Little Pony bullet. <laughs> I I had a I had a brief uh, My Little Pony phase uh, when I was like 13. Um, Yo, because it was like big. Yeah, I think of I think of it. Okay, okay. Well, I guess I will get into it. Um, there's not really a lot to say besides like, you know, it was 2011. Yeah, 2011. Um, it was kind of like blowing up, and it was kind of the bit of an edgy, funny thing to be like, oh hey, uh, I have this non-ironic enjoyment of something that's really um, kitty and like cutesy, and like you know, it's a pretty good cartoon for kids. Um, a lot of my friends in real life had also kind of embraced it. So it was it was another way to connect with people I knew in real life. Um, one of my main takeaways from it, though, is that like it, it, obviously the trend came and went, uh, but one of the only people who I knew who like took a took a much longer time to fall off the trend would later go on to join the military because he wanted to <laughs> be a sniper. <laughs> so that, that's my uh, that's my abbreviated My Little Pony experience. God. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's that. Uh, closing thoughts on Homestuck, though. Um, um, I, I think you, I think you were right in, in that we've reached a turning point in which more feelings are going to get involved. Uh, yes, def- definitely a, a, a big feeling centric episode today. And I'm, I'm more here for it than I thought I would be. Yeah. Uh, I I cannot wait for more. I I cannot wait for more Aridan. Um, I I have a feeling that I'm going to get a lot of enjoyment <laughs> out of watching him bitch and moan. Yeah, it it's it's pretty enjoyable. And I I I think that we are probably overdue for some more uh low blood content coming soon. Yeah, we haven't heard from Solix or we didn't hear from. And really, any of the low bloods at all this episode, uh, and we kind of left on a pretty big cliffhanger with Aradia a couple a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um. Well, I guess there's Tavros, but yeah, okay, there's Tavros. He's a low blood, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and that um, that that brings us to our our reading range for next week. Yeah. Uh, we're reading next week. We're we're gonna read to page twenty five seventy seven. Wow. And the episode after that will be our last episode for Act Five, Act One. Wow. Damn. We I've been as short. Yeah. Uh I 
I, I, I tweeted about this uh, earlier, but we're we're almost we're we're about to surpass Homestuck, but tweeted, which is a pretty good Twitter account. They're they're currently <laughs> in uh Act Five, Act Two, but like in like the first like fifty pages of it. So like we're, we're blazing through. We're blazing through. We're making progress. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, okay, I don't, I don't, I, I am suddenly blanking on more things to say, so I'm gonna say that we should take this to the close. Yeah, I think that, I think that does it. I'm, I, <laughs> I'm John. I'm Aiden. Uh, um, uh, we should do this the other order. Do we? I'm Aiden. I'm. <laughs> I'm John. And they're John. You've been listening to a Homestuck podcast now available on uh, SoundCloud and Spotify. Yeah. Um. Thank, thank you to our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> thank you to our listeners, um, so much uh, for supporting us. Um, thank you to our wonderful editor Alex for making all this possible. Um, and we will see you next week. Uh, with pages 2448 through 2577 yes see you guys toodaloo woo <laughs>